What's up, everything? It's Steven here again, all on his lonesome, trying to improvise a podcast for all of you maniacs. But if a no-talent ass clown like Rob Lowe can have his own podcast, why can't I? Today, we'll talk about the news that's gone on in the hockey world since we last spoke, and we'll discuss whether the Blues should pack it all in and just skip the remaining games in their season. It's a lot to cover, and it's just me here, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! my friends we meet again it's been a while where should we begin that's wait that's not how this podcast starts welcome back everyone welcome to the two guys one cup podcast this is one guy uh and i don't actually have a cup anywhere near me but we'll call it we'll call it the two guys one cup podcast anyway and i am here to talk stream of consciousness style about the things that have happened in the hockey world since we last spoke some of which are good some of which are very bad and tragic, and some of which are just, you know, kind of schadenfreude and hilarious, as they usually go with the St. Louis Blues, especially, and the NHL uh, in general. Let's start with the truly tragic news uh, that happened in the NHL, or not in the NHL this season, but in a European league uh, this week, earlier this week. Of course, everyone knows about the tragic passing of Adam Johnson, uh, who unfortunately passed away after taking a skate to the neck in national in a game in England, I believe. Um, a former National Hockey League player who played with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, possibly the, uh, I believe the Vancouver Canucks, but I might be making that up. Um, looks like just the Penguins, but... Um, you know, didn't have a long NHL career, but had been playing with the Nottingham Panthers uh, in the English International, or the English, excuse me, the Elite Ice Hockey League this season and had been having a really strong season uh, until, tragically, uh, a stick from Matt Petgrave rose up and cut his neck, uh, and he uh, unfortunately lost too much blood, and... Um, was unable to be resuscitated by the medical staff. Obviously, the situation is a tragedy, uh, and I won't belabor the point there. Uh, Our condolences and thoughts and prayers are with Adam Johnson and his family and everyone involved. But, um, you know, I I think the thing here that I really want to talk about is just that the NHL has to act now uh, to enforce player safety, whether or not the players want it. I realize they have to act within the guidelines of uh, cooperation with the NHLPA, um, and that probably means that if they're going to make a rule change like this, they have to grandfather it in so that you know players like uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who, God love him, is still too foolish to wear a visor, um, don't have to make changes to their equipment that they don't want to make I get all that, but uh, they have to act now so that something like this never happens in an NHL game. And and we've seen things uh, close to this happen. Of course, there was the Todd Bertuzzi incident, and 
there have been other incidents of, of severe uh, cuts that happen with skates and, um, you know, theoretically could happen with a stick too. Uh, it's something that you know is a risk in hockey, but it's such a freak accident kind of risk that you don't really take it seriously until tragically it happens to someone. And uh, in this case, he was not able to get medical attention fast enough uh, to save his life. And uh, I know I was hearing on the on the Puck Soup podcast of at least one case in the NHL where it's speculated that literally just because this guy was on the right side of the ice closest to the medical help, he was able to be saved. But if he'd been at the other end, he might not have been saved fast enough. That's, that's the kind of timelines and fractions of a second you're talking about when you uh, talk about, you know, in a, a cut to the aorta. Um, so, uh, obviously just a tragedy uh, in in and of itself, but um, the only thing you can do now, and it's, it's not uh, a win for Adam Johnson, unfortunately, but if you can try to make any good come of this uh, by saving future lives, that's what has to happen. And, um, you know, I, I get I get that these are elite athletes, and I understand that even the tiniest little changes to equipment and changes to how they do things can make a big impact when you play at that high level. I really do have some sympathy for that. Um, and I also know, but I also know that these players are, you know, prime athletes in their physical uh, prime, and they're going to feel invincible whether they actually are or not. Um, and unfortunately we know that they are not, uh, so the league and some other people, uh, you know, involved in this whole process have to kind of step in and, and make some decisions for them. And I really do hope that the NHL, uh, sees the writing on the wall here and takes the chance to get, um, at least that kind of, you know, turtleneck neck guard, uh, in place around the NHL. It's not, even that is not, you know, bulletproof and uh, might not be a perfect solution, but um, it's, you know, it's it's better than nothing. And I, I really hope they start with that. So again, a very sad situation um, and, you know, not one that we hope to ever see happen again, but they can potentially prevent it from happening again with some pretty uh, straightforward rule changes. So uh, hopefully they do, in fact, do that. Um, in other news that was, I think, interesting this week, um, the uh, the Ottawa Senators... Sorry, folks, I'm doing this without notes and on my own, so I'm going to forget what I'm trying to say sometimes. The Ottawa Senators uh, were dinged very severely for their role in the Evgeny Dadunov trade. Uh, they, uh, last season, if you'll recall, I'm going to probably get some of the details of this wrong, but last season they traded Dadunov to the Vegas Golden Knights and apparently suggested to the Golden Knights that he did not have no trade protection so that when Vegas tried to go and trade him to another team at the deadline to clear up cap space, uh, they found, surprisingly, that they were unable to do that. Um, they uh, didn't, uh, they were lied to, apparently, and they 
weren't able to make the trade, and so they were stuck with that and often had the cap consequences thereof. Um, I think that's, you know, <laughs> shocking if Pierre Dorian actually did that. Pierre Dorian has lost his job, so it seems at least probable that there was some serious misguidance there and uh, misdirection, misinformation, if you will. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely wild to see, uh, very shocking to see that this happened. Um, and uh, hopefully they, you know, punishment stops it from happening again. But at the same time, it is bizarre to see the NHL crack down on this when they haven't cracked down on some other things. It's a bit of a catch-22, right? Because on the one hand, teams shouldn't be able to lie in trade negotiations in a way that affects another team. Um, on the other hand, you know, Cap Friendly has answers to those questions, so maybe the team that trades for him is a little bit responsible. But uh, I think the fact that they lost are going to lose a first-round pick in one of the upcoming four drafts and the um, the Blackhawks, for instance, didn't lose anything close to that bad uh, in the Connor Bedard situation, or not in the Connor Bedard situation, excuse me, but in the um, Kyle Beach situation, speaks to where the league really puts some of its focus, and, and hopefully they change their behavior on that uh, a little bit going forward. That remains to be seen, um, and actually probably doesn't remain to be seen because the NHL is always going to look out for its best interest, as was also the case in the other thing that the Senators made headlines with this weekend or this week, which was the Shane Pinto 41-game suspension. Uh, I don't know a ton there, but I think it's very interesting that they don't uh, give any details on why he was suspended or they don't give a lot of details. It sounds like he didn't bet on hockey, but it was a betting-related suspension, but they don't want to go deeper into that. Um, very strange situation, and I think sports teams are going to have to be careful. Sports leagues are going to really have to be careful about having double standards um, about sports betting when they're going to be making money and already are making money hand over fist uh, with sports betting and you know sports betting sponsors and partners now. I don't think that means that they can't, you know, obviously players can't bet on their own games. That's that's 100% clear. And I, I'm fine if you want to say that players can't bet on, you know, their own league even. But um, I do think it's a little bit of a double standard to punish them for just betting related things when you're going to be making money hand over fist with this kind of uh, gambling stuff. Uh, so that's going to be something the NHL is going to have to watch out for. Um, and, you know, there'll be hopefully more details on the Pinto thing so we can understand it and so other players can avoid making the same mistake. But definitely a weird situation and another one that makes the NHL look I don't know, a little silly, but uh, there's nobody in the NHL right now that looks sillier than the St. Louis Blues. Uh, that's not really true. There are some teams that are really, really bad, but um, the Blues have not been great uh, over the last several games. They lost four to 
won uh, to Colorado last night uh, in a game that I think I watched like six minutes of and managed to see all four Colorado goals. They lost the 5 nothing game, which was their worst performance of the season, uh, to Vancouver after lo- winning the 3 nothing game against Calgary. Uh, that was arguably their best performance of the season. They are now... Um, get the actual number instead of trying to count uh they are wait for it stupid thing is loading uh three four and one with seven points they're barely they're one point above the blackhawks uh for last place in the central division and um there are a couple really bad teams in the pacific the san jose sharks uh look to be on pace to be one of the worst teams in the nhl or in nhl history uh at 0-8-1 through 9 games. The Flames and Oilers are both really struggling, although you'd expect them to be better uh, over time. If you saw Dom LeCision's tweet this week or his article, uh, not very glowing review of the uh, Blues, he gave them a 5% chance to make the playoff playoffs and the uh, least percentage of any team that had a percentage chance of making the division final. Um, he projects them at 79 points in fifth from the bottom uh, of the league and, you know, right in the middle of that lottery hunt. And I know there are people that are going to say that's unfair, ridiculous, unreasonable, yada, yada, yada. I don't think that it is. I think this team is not a good team. And I think we, um, I mean, we said that. We, we laid out the case, if you go back to our Blues prediction episode, we laid out the best case and the worst case. Um, I was pretty honest that I thought the worst case was that this team could be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, I'd have to go back to see exactly what I said. And the fact of the matter is, it hasn't looked exactly the way we've expected so far. Um, some people are saying the defense has been vastly improved. I think that's a, a big stretch. I think the goaltending has improved pretty significantly. The defense has been a little better and the offense has disappeared. But if the offense doesn't heat up in a big way, then the defense and goaltending definitely aren't good enough to keep them in games. And even if they do, um, I think that the chances are that the defense, or the offense is not going to be able to, the defense and goaltending are not going to be able to compensate uh, for a lackluster offense. This is a really good division, and, um, you know, I think an improvingly, increasingly good conference. Um, the the West used to be, uh, you know, eight teams that were really any good, and now I think you've got at least 10 or 12 that are, are you know, pretty solid. I mean, Colorado and Dallas and Vegas are obviously studs, You've got the Kings and Canucks. The Kings and Canucks and Ducks seem to be overperforming. Maybe not the Kings. The Canucks and Ducks definitely do. But the Kraken and Oilers are probably underperforming a little bit. And the Wild and Predators are good, are okay, probably better than us. And the Coyotes, I think they're a little bit legit this year. I don't think they're great, but I think they'll be good enough to probably be better than us, which I don't think is going to take a lot. So, um, you know, I guess... I guess I'm just not going to sit here and act like I'm that surprised that a team that was really bad last year and did nothing to change the roster uh, is going to be bad again. And, 
maybe that was kind of Armstrong's expectation and he didn't have an option uh, to do any better, or maybe he is trying to slowly rebuild and just doesn't want to come out and say it. Uh, I don't love that. I know that some uh, ownerships groups feel like they don't, you know, they have to kind of beat around the bush with a rebuild or a retool because they are afraid about ticket sales. But let me tell you, if the team's going to be a 438 winning percentage over the or points percentage over the course of the year, uh, ticket sales are going to take care of themselves, you know. So, um, and and by that I mean they're not going to do well regardless of whether you call it a rebuild or not. So, uh, a little bit ridiculous to kind of walk that line and try to try to be. Uh, you know, talking out of both sides of your face. It'll be interesting. Last year we saw uh, Doug Armstrong come out pretty early and, um, you know, talk about the state of the team and address the rebuilding concerns. This year, definitely don't have as much... uh, They don't have as much of an opportunity to be like a seller because they had some pretty high-profile free agents... Uh, expiring last year, this year they've got Kavanen and Vrana, um, Sunquist, I guess, and they've got uh, Scandella and Bortuzzo, who probably nobody wants uh, on the defensive side. So, you know, they're not going to have a ton of moves to make uh, at the deadline. Um, but I think the big name to start watching now, and I've kind of hinted at this uh in the past, but I think Pavel Buchnevich is probably the big name to watch for the Blues. Um, he is going to be, let's see when his actual birthday is. He's 28 right now. He turns, oh, his birthday is my birthday. So he turns 29th on the 17th of April. I remembered that without looking it up this time instead of looking it up and then being surprised that I didn't remember it in the, pers- in the uh, first case. So he'll be 30 before his current contract is up. Um, right now, I love Pavel Vujnevich. I would like him to be around the Blues for a long time. Right now, it does not make sense for the Blues to give him a long contract extension. That That's just the truth. Uh, if they give him, a, let's say, a five- or six-year deal at 30, uh, when they don't have any prospects of, of being a contender in the next two or three years, that really just is not something that makes sense for them. So they need to take a serious look. Uh, at potentially trading him while there's a lot of value left on his deal if they can get some really good futures uh, or a top prospect or something to come and complement their young core or potentially packaging him with a defenseman to get you know a good return and get rid of one of those contracts. I don't want to see that happen, um, but this is a team that's in a really bad spot. Cairo and Thomas, I love those guys, but they are not rising uh, to be stars, and um, you know, this is I think this is the first year of their contract extensions officially, and they're now the highest paid players on the team, uh, and they need to start playing like it. And it's only been eight eight games, and they've both shown a long track record of being good in the past. But um, you're not seeing anything from them, and you're not seeing anything from the new captain Braden Shin, and that's pretty bad. That's your, that's your leadership group, and. Uh, if those guys can't perform at a high level and, and get you a lot of points, then you're going to be in hot water. So um, I guess for the Blues, it's just kind of a waiting game now. Uh, I think, you know, maybe people are going to be upset and think that I'm a little too down on the team. I guess you could say that I am, but, um, you know, they've got 
They uh, Devils up next. The Canadians, who are pretty hot right now after that. The Jets, the Coyotes, the Avalanche, and the Lightning. Those are all teams that are currently ahead of them in the standings, I believe. And most of them, uh, with the exception of the you know, uh, Lightning, or with the exception of the Canadians and the Coyotes, are teams that you would have entered the season presumably thinking uh, that were better than us. So it's not a good, easy run. They get the Sharks in there, but then they had the Kings and the Ducks and the Coyotes again. So they're going to have a tough season in November, and uh, the 23rd, which is Thanksgiving, will get here soon. If they aren't in the playoff picture by then, you know, most of the common logic says they're not going to be in it at the end of the season. Um, I don't really see a path for them to be a playoff team this year, personally. I know some people disagree. More power to you. I hope you're right and I'm wrong. Um, but I don't see the path there. And, uh, you know, they need to start thinking pretty aggressively about what that means long term. Uh, pieces they can move to build for the future, that kind of thing, because you want them to be ready to go when Dvorsky gets here and uh, Jimmy Snuggerud looks like a friggin' stud, um, that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, we've got a lot of good future pieces, but we don't have a future defense at all, and we've got a lot of building left to do, so... We'll see how it goes from here, um, and hopefully things will turn around. Maybe they'll win five in a row, and I'll look like an idiot. That'd be fun, but uh, that's kind of where I'm at with the Blues right now, um, and that's kind of where I'm at with hockey right now. I don't have a lot more to say. Uh, this episode's felt, even by my solo standards, a little rambly and, and all over the place, so sorry. If you've listened this far, though, you either... Um, couldn't find the pause button or you've enjoyed it enough to survive. So um, thanks for listening this far. Congrats to the Texas Rangers for winning their first ever World Series. Thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart for not doing it 12 years ago. That was a fun World Series. That was a really fun team to watch. Um, and uh, the fact that Max Scherzer never played for the St. Louis Cardinals is the biggest abomination in the history of our franchise. And John Vazalek should be fired. Um, and, uh, you know, with all that said, I uh, hope you are enjoying this early November. Hope you had a nice Halloween, uh, and I will come back again sometime. And then sometime after that, Ian will come back and we'll return to a more regular schedule. But thanks for bearing with us uh, as we let Ian be a new dad for the time being. Uh, and we will see you all very soon. And good night.